<laughs> Welcome to our PME. This is Saratoga Beth. We're going to speak about war and peace. How can we uh, we live in a we live in a world that feels like it's a constant war zone, especially now, especially the past couple of years. Um, it just gets crazier and crazier. And so, how do we feel at peace when we're in a war zone? Um, and, and since we're in Parshas Kisete, Kisete is all about going out to war. So, okay. So the truth is that every Shabbos, there isn't really one Parsha, there are two Parshas, because on at Mincha time you read the second Parsha. So then when you think about it, we're looking at the energy of any particular day, because when we're facing the different challenges that we have in life, the thing that enables us to move through them and use them the way they were intended, which is to unfold more ge'ula, more pieces of ge'ula. So number one, I'm going to say about that, it's not simple. It's not like it's just an easy thing to do and everybody knows how to do it and everybody's doing it and those few donkeys who just aren't doing it. It's a, it's not a simple thing to do, to just experience everything as a ge'ula opportunity and and just keep opening the blossom, you know, opening the petals of the flower of Geula. It's very beautiful to say. It's not so simple to do. Um, but obviously it's possible because we're being empowered by Tyra, by Hashem, through the Tyra, at specific times to be able to do it. So every week we're being empowered in a different thing. And this week we're being empowered to do war in a way of peace to experience the struggle in a way of peace and a way of opportunity, to experience them not as struggles but as opportunities. Again, is it simple? No. Is it doable? Yes. How do we know? Tyra is empowering us. And since we're one with Hashem and one with Tyra, it's on a very high spiritual level a no-brainer. It's the only thing that resonates with us. We have to realize that we have at least two different frequencies going on in ourselves at the same time. Probably myriad frequencies. But one frequency is the frequency of down here in this physical world of struggle and war, where it's not easy to do anything. Everything is hard. And then there's the other, and, and we resonate with that frequency because we have an, uh, an animal soul, and it really feels like everything is hard. For those who drink coffee in the morning, nothing works before you drink your coffee. And for those who do other things, you know, a morning walk, whatever it is, nothing works. Just like, don't ask me questions. Um, this morning, someone came in and said, well, where do you want to place the flaceic sink on the counter? Where, where should I make the cut out? I was like, oh, my goodness. You're asking me to make a second decision at 8 a.m. in the morning? Are you joking? You know, give me two days. I don't know. I have to, I can't think. <laughs> so we all experience on the on the bodily level, oh, my goodness, like this is so hard. And it's, it's a real frequency. And then we also experience on the neshama level, ah, it's a no-brainer to just move from ga'ula to ga'ula through one doorway and another doorway and another doorway and watch the opening of the, petals on the flower opening and blossoming piece by piece each each thing i'll call it a thing is another opening of a petal 
in this flower. Now, this little act, this little incident that is the opening of the petal and the flower of Geula, what might it be? Oh, the thing starts leaking, the car doesn't start, etc. I'm not going to say worse problems, God forbid, but in other words, what we're used to calling problems and experiencing them as problems, they are in truth, they are in truth the opening of the petals. So that sounds ridiculous. On the lower frequency, don't don't talk to me about petals. You know, give me talk to yourself about go read a book, go go write some poetry. Don't talk to me about petals opening when the sink is leaking and it's spraying all over. I remember once being in a bungalow colony. Oh boy, that was funny. And this woman came running out of her bungalow and she said, The sink fell off the sink fell off the the wall. I guess one of her kids was leaning on the sink or something like that. The sink fell off the wall, the sink fell off the wall and it was pouring like crazy. So the Rebbe of the yeshiva, of, of the cheder, kind of like threw off his shoes and ran across the grass. And he wasn't like a slim fellow, let's say it that way. He wasn't a slim fellow. And he ran across the, the, the grass. I was trying to think what he's going to do to stop the thing. I guess he figured out how to turn off the water. <laughs> right? But at that time, when that's all happening and you know, it's all flooding the kitchen. Who wants to hear about opening of the petals? <laughs> That's so wonderful. Another petal is just opening gently in the gula process. Like, go open your own petals. Like, leave me alone. So, but on the on the other hand, our neshama, so we resonate, we feel like, yes, this is so real. The, the water is spraying out. This is awful. On the other hand, we also feel on the neshama level, oh, my goodness. The petals are really opening. We don't experience the struggle. Imagine it's the opposite. On the bodily level, we really experience it as struggle, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to experience a problem as struggle. You don't have to study for 10 years in yeshiva to figure out, oh, how do I, what do I have to do to figure out how to feel bad when problems come along? I don't know. Somehow it's just you get training right away after age six months or something, you, you just get really good at it and you can feel the difficulty of problems right away without, you don't, you don't have to kind of have your coffee before you can feel struggle. You can feel it before coffee. So that frequency really works for us. The higher frequency also really works for us. And the neshama probably says, struggle? I wonder what that means, struggle. The neshama's only struggle is how to go higher and higher. So when the neshama probably, I haven't had a conversation with my neshama recently, but probably when the neshama experiences um, the sink coming off the wall and all the water spraying out, um, I probably our neshama is saying, ah, another geula doorway opening up. All you need to do is step through the doorway. And you're going to come to the next stage of Geula and the higher level and from there a higher level. And the, the Geula is unfolding so beautifully. And that is probably your neshama. That's the way your neshama thinks, feels, experiences, whatever you want to call it. Not somebody else's, yours. So 
So your neshama probably only resonates with the petals on the flower of Geula opening up. So that explains to us why, as Yidden, we're so, well, as Dr. Brower said 41 years ago, the very first year that I went to, he said, why are Yidden the best candidate for therapy because of that dichotomy? Because you have two opposite frequencies operating in you, and they both feel what they feel intensely. So you've got a war going on you all the time. So for a yid, we love to struggle. And we're like, oh, I'm so thirsty. And then we drink, oh, I was so thirsty. But we love to struggle. On the other hand, the neshama loves to bask in the opening of the, the petals. So we've got this battle going on inside of our own persona, our own personality, which explains why we're, we're very complicated people. Or let's just say, we're not, we're not simple people. Okay, so the Parsha exactly parallels that because the Parsha is Kisese about going out to war. But Mincha time, it's about coming into the land of Israel, opening the petals. And every week, every Shabbos, which really tells you what the, what the week was about, has in it two energies. The Parsha that we read all Shabbos, and then the one of the coming weeks that we start on Mincha time. So every Shabbos is going to contain in it two different energies. But somehow, from a higher Torah point of view, they actually merge together. And they're actually placed together, paired together very, very carefully by Hashem to enable us to move from level to level. So when it comes to Parshas Kisese, first of all, anything we're going to say about Parshas Kisese, it was really solidified in actuality in 1991. Because that's when the Lubavitcher ever said the Nevoah. He gives Manzulasim, the time of Geula has arrived. And now everything's going to change because of the Nevoah, and everything will be moving in the direction of the unfolding of the Geula. Will it be it? Yes. Will it be anything else? No. So in that Shabbos, this is what happened. This Nevoah, the Rebbe said the Nebuah and changed all of history forever. It would never switch back to pre-Nebuah. Now, at the same time, two days later, a war started. There was supposed to be a very horrifying, bloody war in the former Soviet Union. There was a coup. There was a taking over of the government by another group. And it would have been Pretty terrifying. And it didn't happen. It was bloodless. It was, it was very peaceful. But in Crown Heights, the riots started. The war began. And of course, the story is that the Rebbe's car was coming back from the aisle, um, driving up, I guess, Utica Avenue. And behind him were a couple of other cars as part of the entourage, and maybe in front also. Not sure, but behind. And the Rebbe's car turned the corner onto President Street. And then the car behind, uh, 
was trying to keep up, and there was a child, I think and there was another car or something, there was a child on the sidewalk, um, a black child, and the car with the Bakran behind the Rebbe's car swerved to, because this, or maybe this child was in the street, but he swerved to avoid the child, make sure to not hurt the child, God forbid. And yet, and it didn't work, and the car did not respond, and the child was killed. The child was killed. And it sparked off huge riots in which they also murdered Yanko Rosenbaum, not the Bachram, um, the, the rioting crowds who were kind of looking for some trouble anyway, um, they didn't say, look, accidents happen. Um, they decided that they were going to create this into World War III and um, and try to loot, murder, etc., whatever they could do. So the riots went on for, for several days, etc. So it was an authentic state The war happened in, in Crown Heights, in the Rebbe Shkuna. Beginning, beginning with this. That happened on Monday. Shabbos was the Nebuah, and Monday this whole fast happened. There was supposed to be a war in Russia. Instead, it moved over to Crown Heights. Um, so the real, so you're talking about Parshas Kisete ushers in with a Nebuah, in a sense, the Nebuah of from the time of your redemption has come, and now the Geula is going to unfold, means the moment of the end, of, ultimate end of war has, a, has arrived. It doesn't mean that there won't be any war anymore, but we now would be entering an era forever in which eventually war will be finished with and done. It will become a thing of the past. So as that Nebuah is being said and bringing in this war will become a thing of the past, the war starts in Crown Heights. Okay. So that's the backdrop of how real the Parsha is. And and it's not just a nice story, but it really actually creates the physical reality of the world. Okay, so about the names of the Parsha, let's look at the energy. Kisete and Kisavit. The Pasuk is, Kisete lemochama When you go out to war against your enemies. So number one, Kisete, you're going out. Where are you going out of? Your comfort zone. You're going out of home. You're going out of, the, out of the nice, safe place. You're going into the unsafe place. And where are you going out to? The Muhammad, to war. Let's talk about you're, you're out of your comfort zone, you're out of your safe space, and you're out to war. And who are you doing war with? Alevecha, your enemies. So you've got enemies, there's a war going on, and you're not in your safe space. Hmm. Yummy energy, right? Great energy. That's Parshas Kisete. Now let's look at the, the energy of the following week, Kisava, the one we start to read on Mincha, at Mincha time. Kisava la'aret, when you come to the land, you will inherit and settle it. So number one, you're not going out, Kisava, you're coming in, you're coming home. Where are you coming home to? The land. This is really grounding. Deeply grounding, deeply safe. You're coming home. 
You're not leaving home to go out and fight a war. You're safe. Now, where is it in the land? Which land? The land of Israel. You're really home, like really, really home. This is home. If you're, yeah, this is home. Now, maybe you feel it's home, but it's not really your home. Because it says the Arashta, you inherit it. It turns out this home that you're coming back to, that's your safe space, it's yours. It's been bequeathed to you by your forefathers. It's yours. So that's extreme home. The Ashaftaba. And then you settle in and settle this land and settle your home. You know, put up some nice little curtains and nice little touches and make it nice and cozy so that it really becomes you. I don't know if I mentioned a few weeks ago that someone told me that when you purchase um, a house or anything um, and it belongs to non-yidden, so it takes some time step by step by step for you to kind of take it over and make it into a holy place um, just by your ownership of it. And um, and uh, definitely, I think, whoever is moving into a new place, I certainly experienced it, it's quite a struggle with all the work that has to be done to just make it okay for your habitation. And so they said, that must be what you're experiencing, you know, that struggle. And I said, well, yeah, sure would have been better if um, – if he told me that at the beginning, but I knew I was struggling. So that's the idea of you settle it. You make it yours. You don't just move into a room, an apartment, a building. You make it yours. It becomes an expression of you. You merge with it. So now, Kisavai, we see that that's extremely different energy from Kisete. Um They're opposites. And therefore, and when you do this, Hashem has to give you the enemy into your hand. You need to win. But that's a lot of work. And you're going to get booty from the war. You're going to get the spoils of war. You're going to benefit in the end from the war, although who needs the war? So, one is about peace and settling. And the, the other one, he says to Muhammad is about the opposite of peace. And then he saw there's about absolute peace. So, and by the way, and one other, one other thing, when you come into the land, you bring the Kurim, you bring the, the best of it, and you rejoice with it. There's just a lot involved in this, in this energy. So this is not only referring to an actual war, but it's also referring to the war that you fight the minute you are born or the minute you're conceived. Because Kisaitul Muhammad also means your godly soul comes down from its source in the world of Atsilis. That's why it says, Neshamash and Nasata Bitahirahi. And your Neshama comes down, down, down to all the world etc., and it comes down into your physical body to purify it and the places that you, you come into contact with. And you end up purifying the world. And you are fighting a war. Just keeping body and soul together is fighting a war. Just like opening your eyes and having your coffee or going for your walk and just pulling yourself together is a war. 
So whether whether you're just struggling to just function physically or you're struggling in a very difficult world that engulfs doggy dog, you're down here at the time of gullus and you are in this war. And so this emphasizes even more when you're born into this world the need to fight against the darkness and the concealment of the world. But remember, the minute you're born, you now you go from a place of light to a place of concealment. And so you're always fighting to move the concealment away so you can get some light. You can get some light. So now let's do the other one. You come to the land that Hashem gives you. It shows on an avayda of menucha and shalom. When we sit, when we live in our land, when we have the base of Migdash, when everything's good, when there's peace. So coming into this world means it's a struggle. But then living in the land of Israel in your life in Mashiach means the struggle is over. You're living here, we're going to live in a physical world, minus the struggle, minus the suffering, at peace. So, and one other question. Um, one has to do more with Gullus, and one has to do more with Gula. So, here's the thing. There's a massive difference between Kisetsu and Kisadai, not just the different types of avayda. One is war and one is peace, but also what you get when you live in this way. What is the what is the schar? What is the reward that you get? Parshas Kisetsu is connected with everything you do during Galus. Parshas Kisadai is about the reward that you get after you do it or while you're doing it. One is the work, he says it, and the other one's the reward. And it's also brought out in, in Pirkeabas, etc. So, what is it telling us? Why are we reading Hisabai? Hisabai is explaining to us, he says how do you do war? How do you live in this world? You can't do one without the other. The avayda of war, shagama avayda nochama, the avayda of war, the avayda of war has to be done in a way of peace and settling. Now can you imagine doing like, hey, where are you going? Hey, I'm going out to fight a war. Oh, great. Getting stressed out, I guess. Oh, no, I feel very peaceful. Peaceful about doing war? Oh, yeah. All right, you're an interesting little character, but that's the way when you, we're supposed to do it. And the whole of Vedic safety, we already have a taste of it. Um, in, when we're doing the war, the taste of the reward is already embedded in it. The peace is actually embedded in the struggle. It's just that, and I'm going to illustrate it. The struggle is so loud. Don't hear the spark. You don't notice the spark of peace. 
just embedded in it. Because the struggle is very noisy and loud and very obvious. So the peaceful part is there, but you don't necessarily notice it. And really, even in Pirkei Avos, it says, the lover. We should know that the reward of Tzadikim in the future is in the future. But when we do the Avaita, it's knowing that, it's knowing that we're already connecting. We're getting the reward. We're already connecting and getting the reward at that time. At the time of Avaita, there's a taste and a beginning of the reward. So, we see it, and one more thing, we see it in Parshas Kisei Tzai itself. Because when you have a worker, you have to pay him at the end of the day. Every day, pay him. So what about us? We're workers. You know, you're supposed to do Avaida work. So we are Hashem's workers. So don't we have to get paid at the end of the day? Yeah. Although it says the schar of tzaddikim is in the future, in the, tomorrow they'll receive their reward. Well, but a worker is supposed to get his reward the day he works. Pay him at the end of the day, not tomorrow. So it's got to be here. So somehow that means we are being paid with the reward of geula every single day. Huh. You ever go to sleep feeling like, oh, gavalt, what a day? Where was the payment of the geula? Where was the geula reward in that day? I don't know. Beat me. <laughs> Could have fooled me. But it's there. Now that's interesting. So that gives us um, the interesting homework to say, well, if it's there, it's like a um, treasure hunt. We, we know there's buried treasure somewhere, but we can't find it. That's probably why you do it at camp. You go on treasure hunts. So that means in every day's struggle, the reward and the gu'ula is buried inside that struggle. Huh. Well, if it weren't so awful, it would be interesting. I'd be curious to find it. Now imagine if we do this. Here's a little homework piece. Imagine if we spend a little bit of time every day, instead of being judgmental about how insane everything is, how tough everything is, what if we go into curiosity? Say, huh, well, that's interesting. So there's a gu'ula piece embedded in the struggles of today. Huh, the sink fell off the wall. The water is gushing out. I wonder where that gu'ula piece is embedded. Hope it didn't get flushed out with the water. But if we go into curiosity, even a few minutes every day, and say, huh, I wonder where it is. Instead of like, it's not here, they promised me, I can't take this anymore, but rather, I wonder where it is. We never know what will happen. So, um, and one other thing. Um, the advice of going out to war on your enemies basically means our whole life. Here's the huge, huge piece that I think we're going to sum it up with this piece. This is so huge. It refers to the Mohammed Harishus of Nadadir. This war, that when you go out to war on your enemies, 
it refers to an optional war. It's not a war in which you're commanded to go out to war. You sign up for this war. You choose to do this war. You're given a choice, and you say, okay, yeah. Because Mohenes Rishus means an optional war. Hey, you guys want to go to war? And Yeah, okay, fine. Now, what happens when you volunteer to do something? So in theory, at any moment, you can pull out. In theory. You know, that's the difference between being a paid worker and a volunteer. When you're a volunteer, they're, oh, they're amazing, and they give you, they make dinners for you and, or, and honor you. And then if you do the same job and you're paid, no matter what you do, they have complaints against you. <laughs> so this is an optional war. This is an optional war. When we're in this world here, it's all stuff we chose. It doesn't feel like we chose it. It's all stuff that we chose. So it's with our free will because it's an optional war. Now, how is it an optional war? Very simple. When Hashem created the world, Nimlach the Tzadikim, he went to the, he spoke with, he went to the Neshamas of Tzadikim that refer to all Yidin and, and asked the following question. I'm thinking of creating a world. What do you guys think? I guess if you can call them the Shema's guys. What do you guys think? Should we do it? Because he asked advice from the Tzadikim of the Neshamas of Tzadikim, meaning us. What do you think? Should I, we, create a world? So we probably asked, um, okay, so what's involved? in this world. And probably Hashem really gave a very good rundown, a very realistic rundown of what this world would look like with all the stuff. And then imagine, I'm not going to say imagine you were given that choice. You don't have to imagine. You were given that choice. You were one of the souls that was consulted with. And after probably hearing what creating a world would entail and living, and, and then obviously it was, we knew that when Hashem would create a world, if we all, if we all choose to create a world, co-create a world, we say, Hashem, yeah, do it. Then he's going to put us in it and we're going to be the ones struggling. So did we say yes or no? Well, if there's a world and we're here, we obviously said yes. Knowing full well how complex it would be, we said yes. Let's do it. That's an optional war. We knew we were jumping into a war. But we chose it. That's an optional war. So if we decide, hey, let's all play Monopoly, at some point it gets too too intense, we can just close up the game and put it away. Because <laughs> it's just a game. We chose to play Monopoly. We can unchoose, to, we can choose to not play Monopoly. So we chose this world. Therefore, there's nobody to blame if it's tough because we signed up for this. We chose it. 
So, but now that we chose it of our own free will, going out to war, meaning purifying the body, purifying the nefesh of Bahamas, purifying your part of the world, is that a command? No. It's something you, you chose to sign up for. So then, should you be rewarded for something you chose? So the fact is, so first of all, sorry, when we're, let's just, before we continue for a few minutes, if we're then in the middle of a war, and we realize that we chose it, and we're saying, war needs to be done in a way of peace. Oh, a way of peace? How do you do war in a way of peace? So here's the, here, here's the piece, no pun, that explains it. You chose this war. Let's just switch over to a Monopoly game. Hey, who wants to play Monopoly? Yeah, I want to, I want to. You're in, you're in, you're in, yes. And at some, at some point, when it gets really crazy, somebody says, this is ridiculous. Why are we fighting? Let's just stop the game. And the person who brought the game puts all the pieces back in the box and closes the box and says, we're not playing anymore. And then everybody goes back to being peaceful together because it got too intense in this Monopoly game. So in a way, the way we can, it, we're in, later in the cycle we're going to go more into what do you do to experience peace, but keep this in mind, and this is the homework we want to give ourselves. What would I need to do to experience peace at any given moment? I am in the midst of the sink fell off the wall. Water's gushing all over. I don't know how to turn off the water. I didn't even think of it. I just know I've got to stop the water. And at the same time, I'm being told, do it in a way of peace. Okay. Therefore, how do I do it? By realizing this was an optional war. It can change everything. I signed up for this. It can change everything. Nobody's forcing me to do this. I chose it. That is the key piece. Now, does it require a lot of um, thinking into, okay, well, then how would I set up my life with that in mind? Absolutely. It's not like, oh, I get it. I get it. You're saying that it's an optional war. I chose it, so now I'm totally peaceful. No. It's not going to happen automatically. But if we really think into it deeply, it can be a game changer. It definitely requires thinking into it deeply. But it can be a game changer, knowing that nobody pushed me into this. I signed up for this. So optional is optional. And that will enable me at any given moment I can look at I can look at the thing falling off the wall, as shown, and switch to not easily, but possible, switch to experiencing what my neshama, my soul experiences, which is the petals of the flower of Gaula are opening up and this is this thing falling off the wall is just another petal of a flower opening up. It is possible. 
possible for those two reasons, because we have two frequencies going on simultaneously in us, the bodily one and the soul one, the neshama one, the soul one. That's one thing. And the other reason is because we say, because it's an optional war. And thinking deeply into both of these things can become a game, game changer for us. So I'm just going to end off with one one little more thing about Muhammad's Rishu. Okay, about an optional war. Reward. How do you get a reward? How do you get paid? You hire yourself out. Um, um, and if they're not going to pay you, you might, I'm not working for this guy. There's this boss. If he says he's not going to pay me, I might say, you know what? Yeah, thanks, but call me another time. I'm, I'm kind of busy now. I'll have to work for him. Now, that's different. That's a hired worker. If he says, I'm not going to be able to pay you anymore, I'm allowed to quit. Now, a servant, a slave, an evid, has to serve. He doesn't have to be paid. He has to serve. These are two very different styles. So on the one hand, we are obligated in the Vaidus Hashem. We are the Ebed of Hashem. He lead B'nai Yisrael of Adim. I was created only to serve my maker. We're Hashem's servants, so to speak. And so my serving is the most. So then how do you, so wait. So if we're the servants, then why do we get paid? Because payment is given to somebody who chooses. He's not a servant. He's a worker. He's a hired worker. Are we hired worker? Or are we avadim to Hashem? And we know everything that it says. We sat in the land of Mitzrayim for 200 years to learn what it means, servitude and slavery, so that we be, could, could become servants of Hashem at modern time. We know all that. So we'll bring it all together with, with this. <clears throat> going out. The invite of a person in this world is in a way of you go out of your true place. Not just the way your neshama is in a tzilas. Not just the and um, but as the neshama is in its original source, higher than Seder Ishtal Your neshama comes from outside of the world, way higher than the world. The world is a place with all the problems. Your neshama comes from, not from the, the place of problems. Its natural state is not to understand what problems are. Because it comes from a place where there are no problems. Higher than Seder Ishtashlis. It's higher even than the beginning of the symptoms, the first contraction of life. Because the thought of Yisrael, when Hashem was thinking of us, that came before anything came before the, before the world for sure. And even before the Tyrus. Hashem consulted with us for the creation of the world. We've talked about this before. And we're one with Hashem. One with His very essence. Um, and therefore, when we go out to war, as we said, it's an optional war. Because we're chela kavaya. We're one with Hashem. We're higher, as we said, than the, than the world. And when we come in, down into the world, 
from our true place as we are one with Hashem for the Avaida of purifying the world, when do we come down into the world? After the world is created with our consent that Hashem consulted with us first, yes world, no world, we said, okay, let's go for it. He said, okay. Then came the world. We came way before. Then came the world. Then came the Avaida that we have in the world. So when we come down into the world to work, as we said, it's an optional war. It is a war, but it's optional. And to say it in one more other way, so who are we really? People who are struggling? No. Because that's, that's, the, that's, that's the choice we made, that we can go into it and out of it. Who we are really? We thought our Nitzias. When the world was created, we were there already. One with the essence of Hashem. In this world, once it was created, Hashem said, I was created, He made us. I mean, the gracious Hashem is claiming. I was created to serve my maker. But in truth, we're way higher than that. Way higher than that. That's why the word kisete, go out, is used. Because the creation of the world is after we went out of our true place. We went out of our true place, which is way higher than the world. It's a big going out. Going out to war means like that, that our being born is going out to war. Because we went out of the place where there is no war. We went out of the place from which we come, the essence of Hashem. All of that. One with the essence of Hashem. There's no war there. They've never heard of the word war there. They don't know what you're talking about. We'd have to work really hard to explain to them what war is and what struggle is in that place. That's where we really come from. We had to go out of that place to even relate to the struggle of the world. So it's interesting. The world is a place of struggle. We aren't really natural inhabitants to this world. And yet, so we're not really, struggle doesn't really resonate with us in our very essence because it's not natural to us because the place where we come from, there's no struggle. Isn't it interesting that we're the best strugglers in the world? If the rest of the world, you know, you say, how are you? They say, oh, yes, thank you. Fine, thank you. And then if you ask a yid, how are you? Why do we struggle better than everybody else? I mean, there are many, many reasons. But it's interesting that we come from, they come from the place they were created within, inside of, and from the place of struggle. It's innate to them. We come from a place where there's no struggle. It's not innate to us. We kind of had to learn how to do it. But once we learned how to do it, we became really good at it. Really better than everybody else. Like, I am so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And then I drink a drink. Oh, I was so thirsty, I was so thirsty. We become better strugglers, even though for us it's a fake. But we fake it so well that we didn't even know we're faking it. Therefore, by the way, um, 
we understand how we can live in a way of peace. Our innate state is peace. Because we come from, we're, we're created from a place of peace. That's who we really are. We are peace. Not we're peaceful people. We are the essence of peace. The essence of Manucha, Hisyashva, settled, grounded, peace, holy, light, all that stuff. But we learn quickly how to be in the world of war. So what we need to do is think deeply into the truth of who we are and keep switching back to our real selves. And so now, to end off, the real union of reward that you don't need to get if you're a servant, what is that about? Because who we really are above the world, we don't get reward, but in this world we get reward. And coming down to do this Avaita of Bira in this, in this world is Rishus. So maybe we get rewarded for things to come down. When you come from this incredible place of peace and you're asked, you want to create a world with me and come down into it and be struggling more than anybody else, and you say yes, you deserve a reward. And what's the only reward that can possibly work? The only reward that will work for a yid is everything else, the money, the food, the cars, the, the furs, the, this, the stuff, the the honor, the glory, the people. None of that stuff in the end will really work. It's eventually, it's, you know, it, it keeps us hungry and thirsty for more. The only reward that can work for a yid to fill the gap and right the wrong and, and fill up the, and quiet the fire of discontent is the gula mitisvashlema. The only thing that, will re- that really does it will give us closure for all the stuff that we went through in Gullis that we chose. But it sure was for something we chose. We sure did have a hard time. Sure didn't feel like when we were in the middle of that stuff that we had chosen it. We chose it at the beginning of time. And it's like going on a roller coaster. It's like, you want to go on the roller coaster? You say, oh, it looks a little scary. Come on, I'll do it. And you get on the roller coaster. And at the top, you're thinking, as you're flying down, and your intestines are merging with your throat, you're thinking, what was I thinking when I chose to go on this thing, and now I can't stop it? So that's the way all of Gullus has been. What were we thinking when we chose this? And now we can't stop it. And the sense of war is very strong. And this year especially, in Tushin Teyalos, it's very strong. What were we thinking? But we were thinking, we were thinking the right thoughts. And we were thinking about Gula Mitzvashlema. And we're saying, Hashem, we did our share. And please give us the Gula Mitzvashlema in a way of, bring us that peace, that ultimate peace, immediately now. And we commit ourselves to, especially in this month of Elul, trying to switch over at any given moment when we can pull ourselves together to say, Oh, this seems like a problem. Ah, wait. It's a petal 
of the Geula flower opening up. My essence only resonates with that, gets bored with the struggle and only resonates with that. And therefore, I'm going to do my part to resonate with the true me and the truth. And Hashem, please you too resonate with the truth, the truth being that we belong in the base of Mizrashashlishi, in the Gula Mitzvah Shlema, immediately now.